Okay, we're going to start session two here. And uh, uh, by the way, for those of you here, I apologize. I meant to get session one out on the podcast. Um, haven't done it yet, but I will get both out today. I promise you, I'm saying it recorded, so I'm held accountable. But because uh, yeah, I will forget, yes, because yes, that just happens. But uh, but this is session two. Um, of what I don't know how many sessions it will become. <laughs> we'll see. But okay. uh, go ahead. All right, so I'm going to pray, open us, and then I'm going to have Greg um, seal the atmosphere, which is also a question. We had a lot of questions come in last week. We're going to answer them. What does uh, What is the benefit of sealing an atmosphere? What does that mean? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but let's just initially open in prayer. Father, oh God, I just... I just praise you. God, I thank you. You are you are worthy of every word of adoration we could think of, of every song we could possibly sing in love and adoration and praise to you, God. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. You are the everlasting Father, the Prince of peace. God, I thank you. I thank you, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. We praise you, God. We worship you. And I start out this morning declaring that your truth will endure forever. And it is the source of absolute victory because of what you've done for us, God. You didn't create us to be struggling in a wandering place of a not even knowing why we exist. God, you created us for your glory, for relationship with you. What an amazing thought. What an amazing truth. So we love you this morning. We thank you, God. I ask this morning in the name of Jesus that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That wisdom, spiritual wisdom, not human wisdom, spiritual wisdom and revelation would be open to us in Jesus' name. That all demonic blinders would be removed from our eyes like scales would be removed in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you brought us together at this time, in this moment, for a divine purpose. And I pray that your perfect will would be done this morning. Everyone will receive what you have for them at the point of their need because you're such an individual God. Even though we're all together corporately, God, there isn't just one message corporately, God. You're going to take this message and apply it so uniquely individually for each of us. That's so beautiful, and I thank you for that. And I just pray that that you just get us excited. Lord, restore hope. Restore the hope that is lost in certain areas of lives that are battling the enemy, where he's convinced us that certain things are just going to just be the way they are. God, we just we just rebuke that truth and reject it in Jesus' name because everything in your kingdom is only hope and victory and love and overcoming power. So I thank you for that, God. And I just ask that you just flow. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to flow. As I said last week, We don't invite you here because we know you are here. That's promised in scripture where two or three are gathered in your name. You are in our midst. 
But we invite you, Holy Spirit, to take charge, to invade this space and take the charge through our yes, through our free will. We say yes to whatever you want to do, God. And I declare this, that it will be done with our yes in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Father, we worship you and we pray a protection over this place in Jesus' name. I command demonic spirits on this property to be immediately bound in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood and I cast you to the abyss in Jesus' name. I command demonic spirits here with authority or perhaps still coming here with authority. I command you immediately made mute, dormant, and silent in Jesus' name. I break your communication with all others completely and permanently in Jesus' name. I release warring angels surround this place to protect your will being done, Father. That's all we desire, is your will. You've declared it. That's how Jesus taught us to pray, was your will be done. That's all we want this morning. And we release these warring angels, as well as an archangel, to protect your will. And Father, we pray that you keep us in your stealth in Jesus' name. Satan has no right to this information, to this discussion. And I pray, Lord, that you keep us under the wings of your protection and keep us in your stealth. And finally, Father, that archangel is released because of the warning to witchcraft. And I pray your will be done there as well, Father. And and the warning stands. I repeat it. The warning stands. In Jesus' name, I declare it in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. And Father, just fill both of us with your words. Father, this is not our training or ignition's training. This this is our our heart's desire is that it's you because it's been you from the beginning. So we submit to your will and we desire your will to be done. And, and just open hearts, open hearts that will resonate because of the power of your Holy Spirit that will resonate in each person, your will and your truth that Satan just loves to hide. He, he, he places this deception over even your bride so heavy to hide your truth and to hide especially your love. You are so in love with us. Father, and I declare for myself, and I know most if not all others here declare the same, that we are so in love with you. So in love with your precious son, Jesus. And we thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you that it is through him we can have access to you. And we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that is the oil that moves every part of your will. And we just love you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I am so thankful for the questions that came in this week and we are hoping to address some of those in the, the body of what we're going to go over. But let me just tell you before we get started, we're not necessarily going to perfectly 
take you through each of the pages. Time wouldn't even permit that. We're going <coughs> to highlight some things. But what we had promised last week is that we would give you a handout that would mostly give you the scriptures behind some of these concepts. I want to, I feel like the Holy Spirit is, is um, highlighting in my heart to share this morning the more of an overview of what the outline will help you go into in greater depth later. But the question that that was really important, and, and I, Greg's going to be starting off answering this, is remember, and Greg actually just said it in his prayer, this isn't an ignition training, this isn't any, you know, Greg and Alexis training, this, this is the Bible, okay, that God showed us through a unique way that hopefully will help you to see what you've probably already seen multiple times in the word of God, but maybe not through the context of it being in the courts. So in terms of how it was introduced to us, um, God did, he had already been laying the strategy of warfare and how to be overcomers through Jesus Christ. I mean, really through the, the gospel, how to be overcomers. He's already highlighted that, but then he began to put it all together with connecting us with other things. So I wanted you to just share that a little bit and then we'll kind of begin at the beginning. Yeah, just just the the brief history of how uh, this came about in, in us understanding what the courts are. And, and, it, and it wasn't just so it's clear, it wasn't just me. It was it was a combination of what he did over months here at Ignition, and and it it, it truly was a process. And but it began with him opening uh, my eyes and then others' eyes to the concept of warfare. What we deal with in our own lives, you know, is it a result of just the fact that we have fallen flesh or is it a result of we're just kind of stuck in this, you know, because of what Adam did and, you know, we just kind of have to put up with it until we're finally in heaven, right? That, that was kind of what I thought for 40 years. And, and God started to show that, no, there, there's a real warfare going on that you can engage in. And, and the first part of that was showing us what that warfare was, what that battlefield, at least at that point, looked like. It, it, praise God, he didn't show us the whole battlefield, you know, because we probably would have turned and ran, right? Not understanding what he equips you with as he trains you. But, but that was the first part is, is in answering that question of how it all kind of germinated, how it began, was showing us the, the battlefield and showing us the, um, uh, the, what we were truly up against. And then the second part to that was his grace showing us how we can engage in that battle. And then, so as he started to do this, um, studying the word of God really became a brand new thing for me. I mean, I, I've studied the word of God for 30 plus years, but, but, it became new in the fact that as I started reading it, as he's opening this up to me, I'm reading it in a way I've never read it before. With an understanding of, of the position of things, including us, that I had never understood before. And so he, he started opening these things up and started, started to show me that this idea of a court... Um, and, and when I say a court, I mean like a, like a judge court, not, not a king's court. 
because that's what I always thought the courts meant in the word of God it was a king's, you know, court and realm where he did all kinds of business. He did everything or whatever. I mean, they're, they're synonymous in many ways, but, but he started to reveal to me, no, it's very much like a court, like what we know of as an American court, very formalized. And, and so as I'm going through the word of God, he, he opened this concept up more and more to me. And like many things, when, when God opens something up to you, your first reaction might be, okay, am I crazy? Am I, you know, this is all happening in me at this point. And, and, and then, you know, of course, I'm discussing it with Alex, discussing it with, with some others. But then as God always does, he then confirms things. And we were watching on Sid Roth. Um, and Robert Henderson was on there talking about the courts of heaven. And, oh, wow. Okay. Ears perk up. Lord, this is what you've been showing me for last three or four months. And so found out he had a book, got his book, read his book, and there were so many confirmations in there. And, and that's how God does things. When you build a relationship with him, it is not God's desire for you to simply learn from what other people say. I mean, there, there, there can be a benefit to that, but if that's all it is, then there is a serious downside to that. Because then you're relying on that person's relationship with the Lord. Now, you might be okay, or you might not be okay. And, and that's truly what, what the religious spirit has been birthed out of, is, is following these teachings that, that became self-absorbed in a way. So, so God, God confirmed that to me, and it was awesome because uh, then, then even a few weeks later, I had an opportunity, which was so off the wall. Um, I was asked to go out to California to, to deal with, talking about this, this warfare, to deal with something spiritually out there. And, and out there, I went to a, a convention, whatever you want to call it. Robert Henderson was there. He and I actually met. I mean, in oddest place, we met in the bathroom and <laughs> we're washing our hands and we're talking and, and we clicked immediately because he was a Bronco fan. And, and, you know, I, I knew right away that all his stuff must be right because he was a Bronco fan. But anyways, God uses things to confirm with us, you know, what he's showing us in his heart out of his word. Um, it does not take away the fact that you've got to be in your word. When we tell you this stuff here, the reason we're giving you this layout, by the way, all this will be available online. Uh, um, I haven't even told Michael yet, but I'm telling you now <laughs> that it will, all the notes and everything will be available online. But they're there for you to do your own research. They're not there for you to just listen to what we have to say. They're there for you to do your own research. But, but from that point, um, God has taken us through this process of, of training, of how it works, of, and, and, you know, is how we do it exactly how everybody's supposed to do it? No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I just know that's how he showed us and, and, and how he has trained us. And, and in many ways, we're still in the middle of that. But what I can tell you is, when the Bible says you have access to the throne of God because you are a child of God, when you accept his son into your heart, it's not saying that flippantly. It's saying that precisely. 
And the reason for that is your freedom and freedom for others. I just want to add the, the part about digging in yourself. Um, you, you do that with any author of any book. You know, they are um, seeking the Lord and the Lord's revealing them things to them, but they are flawed human beings like even a, a preacher would be. And so sometimes you'll find statements in books that you maybe won't fully agree with, but it doesn't mean that you can't agree with how God's using them. And so um, we never like to, although it happens in The Bride a lot, where people will, you know, um, promote a book as the be-all, end-all of a particular subject. And you just have to use wisdom. We have to be Bereans in everything. There are many um, Christian materials out there that are helpful, uh, none that replace the Word of God. In fact, every material out of, all of the material out of point us to the Word of God. But the Holy Spirit is what's been promised in the Gospel of John to guide us and lead us into all truth. And uh, there have even been authors that have, for many years, written books and have had to go back and say, wow, the Lord revealed to me that that wasn't fully understood in my earlier books. And they've had to make some corrections because it just has to be led of the Holy Spirit. Um, so one of the things I want to do is I want to take you. Oh, this is interesting. This is good. Um, I want to take you through what should be stating the obvious, but I have found time and time again in counsel and talking to people that it isn't as obvious as it should be. And that is the issue of our real reality. You know, when, when we become believers and we know from um, many portions in scripture that you are to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, um, or to walk in the spirit, what does even walking in the spirit look like? The real reality around us has to include the seeing, seeing in terms of the understanding and the awareness. Sometimes God opens full vision to where we see um, through the gifts of the Spirit. But we have to understand that part of our reality is what is in the unseen realm. And so, like even now, there are angels encamped around us, okay? We know sometimes certain portions of Scripture are lost on us. You know, when Psalm 34 talks about that the angels of the Lord are encamped around them that fear him. Well, what does that mean? That's not a, a metaphor for something else. That's not a metaphor for, well, there will be an aura of goodwill around you if you just are a good Christian. That's actual angels that are encircled around you, blocking and protecting you when you're seeking the Lord and you're in a, a awe, a holy fear of God in relationship. So it's so important to understand that because if, if we don't see the, the spirit realm reality in terms of the, the eyes of our understanding through seeking the Lord, we will miss the real war that we engage in and we'll engage in the wrong war. So when we're in conflict with, with human beings, we'll miss what Ephesians 6.12 says, that we don't really actually wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, the rulers. People understand if somebody is writhing in pain, okay, in a sickness, and they can't think straight, or they're under the influence of some sort of, of something that is causing their human body to not be able to think clearly, they're not going to be upset that that person isn't fully coherent. They're going to understand, well, there's there are factors here. There's stuff that's going on that they can't control. And so you take that into consideration because you can see it. They're obviously sick, you know. It's like if, if he was had the flu and, and was hanging over the toilet vomiting, and I'm thinking, well, you know, you're just not really understanding my feelings right now. And I just don't understand. You know, I'm, I can't even hear myself. All that vomiting sound. You know, you know sometimes we lose sight of the Amen. obvious. 
But that's what we do in the spirit realm all the time. We don't take into consideration that we don't actually wrestle with people in the human. We wrestle with persons without bodies. We wrestle in the, the spirit realm. And even though that should be stating the obvious, I just find that that's one of the first steps to deception and a blinding in our Christian walk. There are also present in this room right now demons. Now, with what Greg prayed, the authority with which we give the enemy cannot be cast away, which we get into in the courts. But they can, with the authority of the, the person in the, in the room and in, in, the, in a meeting or in a setting, they can be bound dormant, ineffective. So the demons that are in this room, based on the prayer, have been made dormant. And of course, and I also prayed about a removal of their ability to continue to speak into the ears of people and that they would be rendered dormant. So there's a lot that you can do in intercession on behalf of others, but you can't completely remove their demonic, um, the demonic realm around them in terms of the authorities that, that they're given because of what we're going to get into in the courts. So let's make sure that, that we first just start with Part of our understanding of the courts has to be an understanding of, of seeing our life in its full scope of, of what we need to see. And that is that there is a real kingdom reality around us, not just our human realm with, with the, the dimensions that we understand. Okay. Um, the thing that you'll see here in just your intro, there, will, there are times I'll refer to the notes, but I'm going to give you some scriptures that I'd love for you to add to what you have. One of the things that Greg and I were talking about this morning, when we put this outline online, we're going to kind of make it um, oh, I, fluid, maybe is the word. We're going to be adding some things as the Lord reveals it. Because we're in this training as well, in, and very excitedly so, with what God's revealing. He's taking us to the next steps of what he wants to teach us in um, in the, the access that we have. You know, in Luke 4... Um, Luke 4, 18, and then also um, in Isaiah 60, 61, 61, verse 1, both of those places, in Isaiah, it was it was prophetic, but in, in Luke, Jesus is saying it, that he was anointed to preach the good news, to set the captives free, to heal the sick. This, what Jesus came and brought us was to bring freedom. He came to set the captives free. So he made a way for us to remove the chains that are upon us because of what Adam did. And so I want to refer you to one verse in kind of a, of a foundational place, and that is in Genesis 4-7. If you actually look at Genesis 4, you're seeing that this is where you're seeing about Cain and Abel, okay? And Cain, with Cain and Abel, this was the issue of, of bringing the sacrifice to God. We know that Abel brought a sacrifice that God asked for. Cain did not. Okay, uh, it says in verse five, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. The Lord was displeased essentially with his, with his, um, his sacrifice. But this is the part that's really interesting. In verse seven, okay, the Lord is responding and he's saying, you will be accepted if you respond in the right way. So he's, he's basically presenting a choice to Cain. Look, this is not what I asked for. This is not the sacrifice. You know, you decided to give me the sacrifice you thought was acceptable instead of obeying me. And so when Cain got all upset about it, the Lord said, you will be accepted if you respond in the right way. 
But if you refuse to respond correctly, he's giving him free choice right there, then watch out. This is New Living Translation. Sin is waiting to attack and destroy you, and you must subdue it. Now, in the King James, it's saying, sin lieth at the door. If, if you don't do what I ask you to do, sin, okay, sin that came into the world through Adam actually is lying at the door. Um, in the Amplified, it actually says it, it's crouching. It's crouching, wanting to pounce and completely overtake you. But right from the book of Genesis, we see that he has a choice. Look, you either master this thing with your choice of free will to be obedient or it will take you over and it will master you. So we see right from the beginning, we have a choice to overcome sin through obedience and through what God offers. And this is even before Jesus came and paid for what he paid for. But but this is so important. And, and I really think that when we look at how much Satan accuses us, he God will never take our free will. Satan seeks to dominate. That's one of the natures, of, part of his nature. He always wants to completely overtake, overrule, dominate. That is not the nature of God. God will take control as we give him our yes. So he is not a dominator. He he, if he was going to dominate, he wouldn't have created man with, with free will to choice or to choose. The other thing too, in, in kind of the, something I want you to think about as a foundational concept. When Satan came to tempt Eve, he didn't say with a gun to her head, you know, eat this or die. He only suggested. She was presented with that initial choice of A, who she knew God to be, and what is truth and what is not truth. What did, what did God actually say? So when we look at how sin originates and how sin attacks us, sometimes we don't understand that, yes, sin does come in to try to overtake us, but we are given choices every day with our yes in many, many different ways. And that's why the 2 Corinthians 10 verses 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, casting down imaginations or suggestions, which Eve did not do. We've got to cast those away because Satan will only come with a suggestion. And then when he can gain entry and he's so desperate for agreement, he's so desperate to even to get, and hers was a very slight, you know, she didn't jump off the bandwagon and say, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to decide to jump in with, with your philosophy and hate God. It wasn't that overt. It was very, very subtle. And that's a powerful way that we actually slip into um, sin that's known or um, that, that can even become unknown. So let's hear, let's just look real quick here. And then um, I'm going to, there are certain things that in this outline I'm going to have you explain or just interrupt me if you need to. So we understand that all heaven and earth operate within a court of heaven that Greg explained. Okay, some of these scriptures will look at in, in greater depth than some we won't because I do want to get to some questions. But remember that because of sin, because of Adam's sin, Satan was given rule over this earth. So we now know that because sin entered into the world, we have an accuser. We have, he's been given full reign to come after us. We know from first John in this world, because of sin, you'll have tribulation, but, but be of good cheer. God's given us the, the opportunity to overcome. Even from as early as Cain and Abel, he said, look, you have a choice. You can do what I want and be free, 
where I'm pleased with you and have my blessing, or you can decide to not obey me. And by that agreement with your flesh, with sin and not with me, that sin will overtake you. And how many of us have testimonies in our life where one little slip here and there of, of not of, of living in our own independent flesh, you know, it starts with just this, this lack of surrender. It's not a big deal. It's just like a little lack of, lack of surrender. And one little step, it's like a ship that gets off course. It doesn't just turn big. It just, and I don't know the lingo for ships, but it's nautical, not, is it not or nautical? Not. not. So one knot off course in the process of time puts you so far off the mark. Is it a degree? Yeah, not as speed. Speed. Okay, so a degree. So either way, you know, you know the the mental picture there. It's that it's subtle, and all of a sudden now, after a period of time, you're like, "How did I get here? What happened? How did this happen?" And um, and I, I that's why we. So much of it is just not seeing the real reality. If we could see and hear with our human ears and our human eyes, the actual whispers of a demon. That has sent by Satan, has been sent by Satan to suggest, you know, that's what he does. He, he sends, he's assigned, he tries to counterfeit everything God does. Even his kingdom is a counterfeit. He didn't create his own kingdom unique to him. He counterfeited his kingdom and his level of authorities to what God had already established because Satan creates nothing. So, so as he sends these demonic suggestions, that's why John 8 32, it's like, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Not just because you know concepts that are true, but you know the actual person of Jesus. Because Jesus also said in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The very word of God is the breath of God. It's the breathed word of God that we have in this form. Is it all that God said? No. He has said, you know, so many things we can't even fathom at all. But we have this word, and it's the agreement with that truth that gives us the freedom that we have. So it's always those suggestions. And the more you know who God is, God gave us just enough here to guide us, and then his Holy Spirit to guide and lead us into all truth so that we can discern, okay, yeah, that thought that came to me, that's not, that doesn't match God's character. I'm starting to feel anxiety because I'm not sure if, if uh, this meeting is going to go well, and I just, I'm starting to panic. I'm starting to freak out. I'm, I'm upset. I, that's not of God. Mm-hmm. That suggestion that starts to come. And you're, all of a sudden, that agreement mentally begins to take over your person, your emotions. It can begin to cause, it, it can literally begin to affect your entire being. And all of a sudden, and, and if we don't recognize that early on, see intimacy with Christ immediately when we're in sync with the spirit of God, he whispers immediately, oh, that, just block it now, block it now. That is not of me. It might sound like me. It might sound like even a call to prayer. That meeting's not going to go well. You should pray. Sometimes we, we think, oh yeah, that, that's true. That's okay. Well, I, I'm glad Lord that you told me that meeting's not going to go well. See how I'm a little bit off course. Is that what the Lord said? Is he going to tell me that? You know, he, he, he always speaks hope. He always speaks an answer. He speaks a remedy. So some of these areas, the most powerful gift of the spirit we could possibly have in the bride today is discerning of spirits. Yes. We've got to discern the spirits because when you can discern the spirits, if I'm having a conflict with Allie, if I can discern what may be oppressing her, 
And we talked last week about this, but it's so significant because you can be as close as can be. It can happen maritally, parent-child, it can happen with coworkers, school, friends. If I don't discern and recognize through the word of God and what he shows about the kingdom of Satan, demons work in gangs. So what's on her has already got a plan to attack anything in proximity to her. So if, if there's some messing with me and now I am humanly in proximity to her, they're getting together with a whole wonderful plan to cause some kind of conflict here, depending on how much power they have been given. Yeah. And subtle ways is how they get that authority. And, and power is authority. It's not that yeah. they have power. Their power is in and their, their power authority. Is authority. Yeah. Now, sometimes we perceive that differently because I know somebody would say, well, but I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. Well... We don't always know, and only God, and this is why it's so fantastic that he gives us this process, he will reveal how they were given levels of authority that we might not know that we gave them. I mean, and it's not a condemnation thing. It's a, oh, honey, don't touch that. You know, have you ever touched something you just you just didn't know, you know, <laughs> as my eyesight has, has uh, diminished? Jesus, repair, re- restore. Um, but when I shared the story in Africa where I grabbed my baggie of granola and didn't have my glasses on in the middle of the night because I hadn't eaten enough during the day, and, and I slipped out of the bed and walked in the next room. I didn't want to wake Greg up, and I just thought, I'm just going to have a little bit of granola. My stomach was so empty, I couldn't sleep. And all of a sudden, I, I, I felt something, just like these little tiny something just hitting my skin. And I thought, well, that's weird. Is there something falling from the ceiling? And, you know. And then I looked into my bag, and I thought, it's a little blurry, but it looked like my granola was moving. <laughs> I had been eating bugs. I was eating bugs. I just was eating. And, you know, it didn't taste different, but I just thought, oh, my word. So, that, tells, that tells you a lot about granola. <laughs> so I came in, and I just thought, I can't believe it. It's already hard enough to be here. Anyway. But, but I didn't, you know, I, I didn't discern, I couldn't see clearly what I was doing. And so I was partaking of something with my lack of discernment that allowed, you know, well, sometimes that, you know, it didn't get me sick, but sometimes we do things inadvertently and only God can block and can hinder and can say, uh, 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 be careful, you know, as we seek him, we know we're going to have tribulation and I don't want you to ever listen to this through the lens of of God wants us to have this smooth life. It's not about that. Right. Again, when you don't see your whole reality, you think of the goodness of God through the lens of smooth, perfect circumstances. Things that will never upset me. Everything going smoothly. Oh, that's the good. God, you were so good today. Everything went my way. You know, <laughs> no, that's not the goodness of God. Sometimes the goodness of God is wrapped in the worst, most intense mm-hmm. trial. That you're like, whoa, I didn't even get to see how good you are had I not been, you know, out there. So that is, um, I'm going to get back into this because I'm getting back off my track here. But that is just so important. Again, seeing we have an accuser, but we have an advocate. Now, these are the verses we went over last week. These are just places where you see that word. Um, and we have, of course, our paraclete, which is our advocate. We see that from 1 John 2, 1. And then... There's just a little thing about why advocate is significant, and that's basically, and Greg was just adding this part this morning, in the, the idea of the Old Testament law and going before um, the Lord with the priest. Um, that's where the whole witnesses comes in. So I'm going to have you guys look at that, and, and if you want to go back to any points, 
that are in the outline as a specific question, make a note and then we'll take some questions at the end. Okay, so here's, here's the deal. Satan can only do what the court of heaven allows him to do, which basically you'll see those scriptures and, and that we actually did get into last week. So um, I didn't want to spend a ton of time on that, except that it shouldn't be a surprise to us because we know that if Satan was given rule, you know, there isn't a need to exercise our faith if there isn't an oppress, uh, um, something coming against us to oppose our faith. It's just, we're just existing in, in the beauty of God if we don't. Yeah, I, w- I yeah, want to give ahead. you a picture of something here before we go on from this point, because what, what the bride does not understand, and I, and I mean the bride as a whole, is that Satan literally lives in the courts. Yeah. I mean, him and his group, whatever, his law firm, whatever you want to call it, they are in the courts all the time. That's what it says in Revelation. They are, he, he, he is there accusing constantly. He's not accusing you today and then someone, you know, at 3 p.m. and someone else. No, that's not what he's saying. He is literally accusing you. Okay, accusing you all the time. He is trying to gain access. He's trying to gain authority. And and one of the things, and I I don't want to derail anything by saying this, um, but I do want to give you just a quick picture of of how Satan works. Satan works through deception. He has brought deception upon the bride so much so that the bride doesn't even realize that there's a problem, right? I mean, when we operate in our own strength. And and we've been in uh as far as what I would call the courts, there there's a there's a single courtroom that we have been in uh, and go in many, 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 many times, um, although there have been different functions in there, which we even re- recently learned. But there, there are two other rooms that I want to tell you about that we've been in. Um, one is, it, we don't even have a word for it. We call it the Father's favorite room, for lack of a better term. It's, it's, uh, it's, I won't even take the time to describe the purpose or anything of that room. But the other one that I want to tell you about is his chamber. Um, the first time that we were in the chamber, I didn't, we didn't understand what it was. It was very dark. Um, you know, wooded walls that you could, you could see at one point were, were beautiful. You know, like anybody like mahogany walls, you know, the intricate design and all that stuff. Um, had, Marble flooring, okay, but the flooring was black, very dark, and and yet this was his chamber, okay? This is where we would go um, to talk with him about things that were outside of the court room if we were trying to get instruction or whatever, and I know that can sound a little strange to some people, but the purpose for me saying it is this. That chamber was the bride's chamber, Okay, that was a picture of how the bride is right now. The bride is not in community with the Father. doesn't mean individuals aren't. But as a whole, the bride is not. And, and that's because of what happens in breaking off authorities. Right? When you build a relationship with, Jesus Christ, with the Father through Jesus Christ, as facilitated by the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't miss any one of those parts 
or you cannot build relationship. If you don't believe that the Holy Spirit does what the Bible says the Holy Spirit does, you cannot build relationship. If there is not faith there to understand that the Holy Spirit will and will actively engage in your life in his gifts, you cannot possibly, I know this is stern, you cannot possibly build relationship with the Lord because those are the vehicles of relationship. Communication is a vehicle of relationship. And so, so when you begin to build relationship with the Lord, the Lord starts to show you the vehicles of his relationship. The bride is, and, and remember the bride, who is the bride? The bride is all of those who are adopted children that have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart. Not just people that say, yeah, I'm a Christian. That, that means nothing. We know that. But those who have accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah, received him into their heart, they are part of the bride. That room, when we first went in there, was so dark. Um, and Shannon can ask, answer this better than me, but it, it was really, it wasn't a place the Father even enjoyed to be because there was no relationship with his bride. And now the purpose of that room was relationship. And we have seen breakthrough in that room without dovetailing here, where, where portions of this floor are actually turning white. I know that sounds a little crazy, but the bottom line is it is relationship that brings that community with the Father. His system to bring upon, bring about that relationship is getting rid of the things that block relationship. Those are the authorities we're talking about. The court is the vehicle that he has given to do that very thing. And, and so th this is, this is not a light little teaching on, on, you know, well, here, here's a concept you could kind of grab hold of, put it in your pocket, use it when you need to. No, this is a hundred percent dive in and engage. I was just going to say to the faith part of it is, you know, some, some of the greatest criticism of this process from the bride has come from people without that intimate relationship whose faith isn't there because really all of this, anything you recognize in the spirit is recognized by faith. How can you build relationship with Christ? It's by faith. So understanding things by faith, because believe me, I, I've heard it all from various either friends or even unsaved people. Um, <laughs> this woman that for a long time I've engaged in a, in a relationship with of, of both ministry and she's still a, um, still confesses that she is or professes she's a staunch Buddhist, but we have many talks and she's like, yes, but how do you know? Yes, but how do you know? But, but what about this? How do you know? Sometimes when you have that kind of a response, obviously faith, what is faith? Faith is, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of something not seen. Just chew on that for a while in all the translations. It is absolutely a, a belief and a trust in something that isn't tangible. And that is why matters of human logic and reasoning cannot, and we said this last week, they, they're, they're mutually incompatible with matters of faith because they don't, and that's part of what God gave us this time on earth for. Why not just accept him as savior and be you? 
sucked up to heaven. That's done. We just thank you. She's gone. She must have accepted Jesus because we saw her yesterday and she's no longer here. You know, wouldn't that be nice? But no, he gave us this opportunity to have a ride of faith and so that he could reward us. It's, it's actually, it's a, it's a, another extension of his love. He so desperately wants to reward us. And see, it's only in this intimacy with him that we even see it as something positive. Because isn't it true? We, we mostly focus on that verse, in this world you'll have tribulation. Okay, I know, God, I'm here to worship you because, you know, that's what I got to do. Help me to feel good. Help me to get through the day. When really, every single trial, and, and when I say this, I'm there with you in my trials. But the reality is, every single battle, every single trial is an opportunity to see more of the nature, the character, the goodness, and the aspect of God's deliverance. Everything we face is an opportunity for him to show himself. He will not lead you into a conflict, into a battle that he's not equipped you to win. If he did, that would go against his nature as being a promise, promising us that we are overcomers in him. So just like the children of Israel being led around their initial conflict, because they were still so weighted down with the burden of all those years of slavery, generations really, and he led them around their first initial battle <clears throat> because he knew they didn't have the strength. So guaranteed, if you are in a battle right now that you are fighting for, whether it's for yourself, intercession for someone you love, um, fighting for various issues, maybe you know some people are fighting for a, a change in a school, whatever you're, you're, you're battling the Lord to see victory in, if he's led you to that battle, he will bring you the victory mm. or you would not be in that battle. Because your battle right now is an opportunity. And that's why understanding the aspect of freedom as it pertains to, you know, the courts and, and in this human lesson that we look at with the court system that we're in. Okay, think about how many times somebody, if they tried to sue you, if they tried to drag you to court for some offense, um, if they kept calling the cops on you, you know, that's that's happened a lot where people just keep, you know, Somebody yells at their neighbor, yells at them across the thing, and oh, you verbally assaulted me. They call the cops. You know, just trying to make your life miserable through the law, through the system of law. That is what Satan does. And so you have to know then. Well, what are my what, what are the the areas that I have that I can come against this? That I can block this from from continually? What what rights do I have as a believer? Well, that's what's so awesome about the courts, and we have that. In these accusations, we have a remedy. The first one, of course, is to ask forgiveness. When we get forgiveness, we will all, when we ask forgiveness and confess our sin, 1 John 1 9 tells us we always get it. We always get it. And when you look at Matthew 5, where it talks about your agreeing with your adversary quickly, that parable that Jesus was describing in Matthew 5, and he was preaching there, so that's a great chapter to look into. Agree meaning surrender to the fact that yes, you may in fact have sinned, ask for forgiveness. See, your place of strength there isn't that you're a low down dirty sinner. That's a condemnation lens. Your strength is, you're absolutely right. I Yes, I am nothing apart from Christ. But because of what Jesus did and because of that blood of Jesus that washed me clean, Mm -hmm. I am righteous because his righteousness is now on me. Now all of a sudden, through that forgiveness of sin, I have authority to stand firm with the blood of Jesus and with Jesus himself as my advocate. Do you see what I mean? It's like 
So, so see yourself standing before the throne. Now in your notes, you see here that every time you enter into prayer at all, prayer is always going before the throne of God. And that's where Hebrews is such a great one. Hebrews um, 4.16, let us come boldly unto the throne. And I'm actually looking now, if you want to look at page two. Page two, we've been given authority to engage in his court. Before now, you I'm not, I am, I am jumping back, by the way, just so you know, okay. I'm going to jump back. But, but those two verses I wanted you to have. We, we are allowed to come boldly unto the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16. And then Hebrews 6.9 talks about we can come behind the veil. We literally are allowed behind the curtain now because of what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. We can come and enter with this confidence. So you, you just learning that concept gives you so much authority when Satan tries to come against you. You know, first agree with him. If he's coming against you with an accusation, come against him with where your right standing is in the Lord. Now, there's a difference between conviction of sin, that that Holy Spirit whisper, uh, 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 you know what? Yeah, I, I've been talking to you about letting that TV show go. And I, I'm pressing a little harder today because you're just not letting that go. That's that's something you're going to be so much stronger and freer. And I can move freely if you if you get those lies from that particular lens of how that story is told. Because, you know, think about ungodly people write these shows. And you just get lie after lie after lie coming into your mind when you watch certain shows. How do you know what to cut, what to cut out? Thank you. You don't, you don't want somebody legalistically telling you, but when the Holy Spirit tells you and nudges you, that will always be something to draw you in. Condemnation is always something that makes you run from God out of, I'm just worthless, I'm worthless, I'm, I'm so bad, I'm just, I'm, anytime it's a, I'm so bad, I'm so rotten, I'm so terrible, right away, that, those thoughts, 100% of the time are not of God. They're not of God. Can they be true? Yes but not through a condemning lens. It's more through a man. I am, I am so worthless in and of myself that that means your love must be so much greater than I ever imagined because you actually loved me and died for me. Wow. His love constrains us. Scripture says, so conviction will always draw us to the shoulder, the heart of the father. Condemnation pushes us away and there's a big difference, but they get very confused because often people think that they're in this, oh yes, I'm, I'm just, they almost degrade them, berate themselves out of this, you know, this religious, well yes, I'm just, I'm just worthless, I'm just terrible, I'm just horrible, rotten, and I'm gonna, and then they justify punishing themselves, you know, and Satan just takes us down a dark spiral. That is not of God, but it's closely, uh, deceived, we, we get deceived because it's so closely linked with, with conviction, but yet it's radically different. That's why you gotta know your truth. You got to know your Romans truth of what Jesus did. Romans 6, 7, and 8. The most kissable chapters in the word of God as far as our freedom in Christ. It's incredible. I say kissable because I like to kiss my Bible. You know that. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, I just wanted to reiterate one thing that, that she had just said. Um, and and maybe, maybe give you a, a picture of what that looks like. Um, you know, when, when the Bible says to agree with your adversary quickly right? Because he's taking you to court. It's talking about in the, if you, if you read that chapter, it's talking about the, uh, uh, the court background. Um, it, it's not about, uh, I know when I used to read that, I used to think, okay, that, 
I don't have anyone taking me to court, so what's that got to do with anything? But agreement is so they do not gain further authority. See, when, when, you, when you know something you've done wrong, let me give you a really good example of what Satan does. You know something that you've done wrong. It was sin, you know it was sin, and you have not spent sufficient time beating yourself up so then you can feel good about going to the Lord and asking forgiveness. And how often do we do that? It's like, well, Lord, if I come to you now, it's really just kind of a joke because, you know, I need to feel the pain first because I knew what I did. So, so I'll come to you in a little while. Do you know what you're doing is you're giving authority. You're, you're seeding in what it is that you just did that you know you just did. And you're giving it further authority. That's why the Bible says, agree with your adversary quickly. Quickly. The second you know, it doesn't mean your emotions have to be there. Remember, emotions are not who we are. Emotions can be for us. They can also be against us. They could be deceiving. They could be a problem. So when you, when you come and you immediately agree and say, Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry. I know my emotions may not feel the sorry yet, but I am sorry. I am sorry for what I did. And I come before you now. Please help me with this. You're in agreement with that accusation before the court. You may feel like you're sitting you know, on, on your chair at home or you're sitting on the edge of your bed, but you are in the court agreeing with your adversary. And you're saying, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for that. Make me clean from that. Let me tell you what happens. When you do that, and, and I, I, I've gone through this so many times, your emotions immediately change. It's like you recognize, once you said sorry, because the second you said sorry, you're forgiven. It's not a process. It's immediate. And once that's forgiven, that, that authority that was on you, that was telling you, you don't feel bad enough yet, so wait, is gone. Immediately, it's gone. And that just shows you the lie of the enemy telling you, you need to wallow in this a little bit. And when you ask forgiveness, it's given. But there is a second step that most people don't recognize in the courts, and that is casting it off. We'll get into that, into the functions of the court, but... When you have received forgiveness, which is immediate, cast it away. The authority that it had on you, it, it takes a real chance. Because when a, a demonic spirit or a principality or whatever goes to gain authority in your life, they make themselves vulnerable to a 180. Because when you ask forgiveness, you're immediately given authority over them. It's not like they can say, oh, that didn't work. Okay, I'll go somewhere else. No, you have the authority now to set their demise, if you will. Okay, that was the first thing. The, the second thing that I want to say, which is, is very important before we go on to the next Can I page. add something to what you just said? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason why that's such a powerful thing the enemy can do, by the way, is because it actually, A, it feels really godly to beat yourself up. In a weird way, it feels like it's a godly thing to just, you know, like I'm just going to do, it, it, you know, sin should be punished. Old Testament. I'm going to just go Old Testament on myself, man. I'm going to beat myself up. The other thing that's dangerous is that it actually shows what we don't believe about the nature and character of God, that he could even receive us without that punishment. 
Because sometimes that is our delay. When you feel condemned, then you really don't know the love of God for you. That he is for you, not against you, all the time. He's not for us when we're good, and then not against us when we're good. He is for us all the time. And so sometimes that delay is because we don't understand who God is. So again, everything, if you, if you look at it, every single point will always circle back to that relationship. It's like, yeah, if I knew who God was and I knew how much he loved me, there's so little the enemy would get in authority and gain in my life. If I really, really knew that. Because most of the bride is living by creeds and principles and things that, okay, let me know this so that I can now, of my flesh, live this. And there's a huge disconnect because we can't live any of it by ourselves. So yeah, the the uh, uh, another thing to understand is you know that where it says here Satan can only do what the court of heaven allows him to do. Um, that is an incredibly important statement because Satan is under judgment. Okay, we are all under judgment. Everything. Outside of the Trinity, everything outside of God is under judgment because it's a created being, right? Now, you want to hear something pretty wild. Jesus was under judgment, okay? Jesus, who knew it being fine being as God, he knew that as God, he was God, but he chose to become a man. He chose, scriptures say, to humble himself and become a man. He literally put himself into that same judgment target, if you will, as us. Except without sinful flesh. Because he's, he was not born of man. In that, he lived a perfect life. That's how he bought our redemption. Because he lived under judgment. He lived under the law. He lived to complete the law. Okay? So in understanding that, Satan is under judgment. Satan has to do what the court says he has to do. If he goes outside of his authority, which we all can, we all have free will, we all have free choice, he, he really puts himself at risk, at huge risk. Now, that's why you'll notice Satan rarely does things himself. Rarely. He always gets his other people to do it. His fallen angels, demons, whatever. He'll put them at risk. He'll never put himself at risk. But he is under judgment. He must do what the courts say. So when we don't show up, when we, when we don't go before the Lord and ask forgiveness, when we figure, well, you know, I'll just do better next time, then you're giving him full reign. You're giving him authority to gain further access. How do you think a, a somebody who becomes addicted to something, how do you think addictions happen? It didn't happen overnight. It's because it started with the first time, and then it grew, and was a few more times, and a few more times. And that authority grew. Look behind it. Discern behind it. That authority grows. Satan's in court saying, look, look, he did this. He did this. I, he's giving me the right to his life. Right? He's giving me the right. And when we're not showing up asking forgiveness for it, when we're not showing up asking for the Lord to help us through that, to, to bring a purity in our lives, then Satan takes more and more authority. I want to add, though, to what you're 
to what he's saying because I, I know I'm, I'm hearing even some questions as it pertains to that. First of all, yes, it can seem like things happen overnight. I know people um, that have, you know, there are statistics that prove that certain uh, pornography websites, that the first time you view it, it sucks somebody in and then they're just captivated by it. Certain drugs, the first time you try it, it can captivate you. But there is still a process even to set the stage for what is a seeming overnight. Um, through the years, and, and I've said this to the women's class in that setting, but I'm going to say it now. Oftentimes, uh, uh, and I never forget the first time I heard this from a woman uh, that was sharing the destruction that her life had gone in the, that direction. And she, she said, she said, I just don't know what happened. I just, I just woke up in bed with another man. And she felt like it was an overnight thing, but not being aware of the steps and the stage that had been set with the authority that, that landed in that final act of what's happened that she didn't notice before that. And so when you look at first Peter five, seven, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Mm -hmm. Okay. You cannot just resist the devil and he'll flee. That first part is often left out. Mm -hmm. We often think that we can walk with this. Well, I'm just going to resist the devil and I'm, you know, I'll tell him to flee. And, and we get these kind of buzzwords down in warfare. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to cast him and rebuke him. And, but that's submitting to the Lord is a place of total surrender because sometimes when you are asking for forgiveness and Satan is still able to fight for authority, it's because we're, we're confessing the symptomatic sins of it and not able to discern the root because we're actually not willing to surrender the root issues. It's like, well, of course I'm going to confess these symptoms because they're ruining my life. Like, Lord, forgive me for doing X, Y, Z. But God's like, X, Y, Z came because this down here was where you didn't surrender. And you're only seeing it here because it's now blatant. It's taken over your life. But where I need you to submit to me is in the most intimate, close, related areas so that I can, you can draw close to me. You know, this being for us and not against us. Oh man, again, another Romans reference, it just of the six, seven, and eight. Romans eight is just uh, one of the other many, many love letters of God to us. Just that he is, we're more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from his love. He's for us, not against us. All things work together for good. I mean, it's just jam-packed with how much God wants to see us free and delivered. And so, so we have, but we have to understand that it isn't just taking the, the mechanics, the principles, the, okay, just, just, just give me the bullet points and, and I'll, I'll take it. And believe me, I've seen it because people that are very learned in the word of God oftentimes just want to extract these eight points and then work them themselves. That's not how it's, not how it is. God maybe puts things for our mental, for our intellect to be able to see in a succinct way for training purposes, but it's really not about that. It's about, look, if you want freedom, you need to sell out and give a full, full, full yes. I'm going to make every way possible for you to be free in your life, in every possible way. In fact, I will show you areas where you are in bondage that you're so not even aware of because the areas that you can see where you're in bondage are just consuming you right now. But I'm going to show you, because see, God's a perfect healer. He's a perfect mm -hmm. healer. He wants to heal the whole of us. He doesn't just want to band-aid parts of our lives that are disrupting what we think is what we should do as a good Christian. 
He wants to say, look, I just, I created you not just for relationship, for my glory, but to be like me because he made us in the image of him. So the, the coolest thing about deliverance is that God doesn't do a patchwork job. He can only do what seems like a patchwork job though, if we resist him on any level. So that's submitting to him. If the enemy is still coming after you, because people leave these messages and they all feel like, oh man, I went to this conference and I'm just, I'm going to take points one, two, and three, and I'm going to apply them and I'm going to be free. And it lasts for a month, two months, and they go back and go, man, that was short lived. Like I'm, I'm still going through all this junk, this garbage, like what's going on? We never connect that it's, it's a process of an absolute clinging to him all the time. The things that he revealed in our lives in our, the beginning of our 30 year marriage that we didn't know. I mean, it was so supernatural. It was like God identified an authority that had to do with something between us as we were seeking our own purity that, that God just said, yeah, bring that to me so that that thing is cut off because it's so buried. You're not even seeing how it's manifesting between you anymore. It's, but it's there. And God in his love took our relationship to another level of freedom because he was, he was, you know, it was a search me, oh God, know my heart, know my thoughts. It was like, yes, now you're ready. We're going to, we're going to detach that and you're going to find a new level of freedom. It was crazy, crazy. That wasn't something I was, could be cognizant of in my human mind, in my intellect, but see every time we, the spirit of God searches the deep things. He searches the depth of us and wants full healing. And it's so amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. So go ahead with your next thing. You were, you said you were going to go on. And I added to your point. Oh. Oh, did we lose you? <laughs> did I finish? I think I finished. Oh, oh one other thing I want to say to what you said. I don't remember now. He, but the other thing that he said that's so critical about not Remember, I live 20 years in the future. Yes. <laughs> I'll come and get you. I'll okay. Back. Um, so when he said that we don't show up to court, this is why prayer is really a dead thing in the bride. Do you know how few people show up to a prayer service? If you're going to have a worship service, people are there because they love the music and the emotion and the presence yeah. of God and all that is great. And I don't say that flippantly, but I'm getting to this point. When you talk to people about, hey, we want, we're going to get on our knees for an all-night vigil. We're going to pray. We're just going to come before the Lord and pray. Do you know that that connotation in our minds as Christians says sleepy, says boring, because we don't even understand the power of prayer. When God can keep us from prayer, if you could see your prayer life as a, a way to get legal judgment against the enemy in the court of heaven to make changes for everything you're petitioning, yeah. oh my word, most, most powerful place you could go, most powerful place you could possibly be is in the court. Everything that's happening in this nation that we want changes for, all these laws and somebody that got arrested recently falsely, whatever. All of that trickle-down effect from the lowest level of community, it all starts in the courts, okay? It's all a from, from laws, from people that, you know, right now there's a battle in this nation about people that are abusing laws and, and abusing their powers. But when we can see, it makes sense humanly, but for some reason there's a, there's a disconnect that that kind of strategy in prayer is everything to see God's will be done. And there is also, uh, there's a point in, in relationship where the enemy loses control. He loses authority in your life. doesn't mean he doesn't still come after you. I mean, you look at Paul, right? None of us would have wanted Paul's life. 
And yet Paul was one of the closest to Jesus. I mean, I mean, Jesus picked him out, an ember out of the, out of the fire, right? And, and, but when you look at it in the court system, you look at it like there's two ways to, to fight in the court, or two, not ways, two situations. One, there is authority where the enemy's got authority and, and you're breaking that authority. But then the, the second part of it is when the enemy comes after you and he does not have a right to. You know, that's when he comes at, without authority. You know, where, where, where the Lord says, resist the devil and he will flee from, from you, what Alexis said earlier. But when he comes after you without, without authority, you have a way, first of all, to fight that, but second of all, to gain from that. Because see, in, in Deuteronomy, it talks about a thief owing restitution. Anywhere from four times, seven times, up to ten times restitution. And oftentimes, people don't go to court and demand that. You know, I'll, I'll tell you just the silliest one, but I'll tell it to you because it's one I'm involved in right now, and it'll be a testimony when it happens. You know, many of you know that that uh, the Lord gave me just this very special truck, right? Mm -hmm. This truck that I have. And had it less than a year, and basically the engine blew. Well, because of the type of truck it is, it's 24 grand to replace that engine. Okay? If you don't think, first of all, the Lord gave it to me. He, he led me to it. He told me which one to buy. He provided for it. Somebody had a vision that you were going to get it yes. before you got it, which is the, the exact truck before I even got it. But yeah, that was that was a confirmation too. But so this was something that the Lord gave me. You don't think that I was in court demanding that restitution? You bet I was, and you bet I'll get it. You watch what happens. I, I don't know when. I mean, Lord, Lord, sooner the better. <laughs> I missed my truck. It's sitting out on my driveway. <laughs> yeah, the jet truck. But you watch what happens. And that's what God, do you understand? That's what he loves. When when I went to court on that, it's not, uh, okay, Greg, I'll, I'll work it out. And, you know, we'll, we'll just yank it out of him. And, no, he has to. Satan has to. What he has taken from me, he took without authority. He did not have the right. When he comes against your family... Okay, and, and it's not in authority to do so. You can go back and you could demand restitution. If you don't think that we're, we're in court all the time demanding restitution for Carson, you're kidding yourself. Because see, now, it, it, Carson's been through the courts. Carson's been, been declared, you know, innocent before the Father. Everything coming against him has been without authority. And the Lord's made that clear to us. It's not a result of sin. And so it's our opportunity to go before the Lord and demand restitution. I just, I don't know. Don't I can't wait to see it because, you know, it's kind of like changing into the Hulk, you know, how he's like this little guy and then all of a sudden he's the Hulk. That's what I picture with Carson. Yeah, yep. With all the restitution that he's yeah. going to get when he is healed, he will be... Green? He, he will be green. <laughs> he will be green and big. No, he, he will have all that Satan owes. Don't, mis don't misunderstand the word demand, though, because it isn't... Uh, and this is where there's been a 
misunderstanding even of the book Courts of Heaven by Robert Henderson. This is not a manipulation of something Correct. that you lost that you want back because you're upset about it. Correct. There are parameters where you have to understand it's you're led of the Holy Spirit. There are losses that we take that are because God is prying certain things out of our lives that weren't supposed to be there. So there's a lot of factors there. In this particular case, he knew that he had the right because it was something that God provided. And he also spoke to the Lord about, and the Lord revealed that it was theft by the enemy. So be careful to not think that um, there's any kind of teaching or understanding in the word of God that you just get to utilize some sort of system. And again, the motive of our heart is really critical mm -hmm. because um, we didn't, we got into the motive last week uh, when we spoke of Job quite a bit, but the motive of our heart is, is important before the throne because it is a very holy place to go and enter into the court of heaven. Even the witnesses that enter when we do sessions um, in that particular setting, there is a holiness. Now, by the way, there was a question that came on the, um, the why do we take our shoes off? In the particular, that's it, really something that the Lord had revealed um, based on many examples in scripture where the removal of shoes in that particular setting is appropriate. Um, sometimes it is appropriate even in a worship setting or even in a prayer time, but usually the Lord leads. It doesn't mean that every time you enter the church, you take your shoes off. In some religions, that is what they do. And again, a lot of these religions have counterfeit practices, even though the God is, is a demonic God. But the Lord will, will reveal very clearly. Um, you'll notice in many of, of, if not all, I guess you could speak to that, but in many of the last times Greg's preached Sunday mornings, you'll notice his shoes are off. No, but it's, it's been all for it's the been last all. three okay. years. So, so and I knew years. that that was, yeah. there are times too when I can't, you know, I just know the Holy Spirit's telling me to take it off, uh, take them off. And sometimes it'll be right before he wants to speak ecstatically and I don't know that yet. Um, but just be listening. He'll tell you. But in the, the court sessions, when they're convened in the way that God has, has instructed us, that's something that we, we always practice. Um, with the... Um, and he, by the way, he will let you know. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not this, you know, like, like it's a hardline legalistic thing that you check off. Okay, shoes are off so I could go in. You know, it's not like that. It's a reverence. It's a reverence. And, and you know... It, it, God has taught us all this so much through trial and error. And, and I remember the time that I learned this, we're all standing outside of the courts and, and, you know, Shannon's like, the doors aren't opening. And I'm like, okay. oh, <laughs> let's take our shoes off, take our shoes off, offer that reverence. And then we were allowed in. And, and so it is, it is a reverence. It's also something that, that God teaches. It's not that he's teaching shoes are bad in his court, right? To, right, to bring mud in. It's, it's not about that. It's about the reverence of the heart. And it's about where your heart is before him. And I say this so often with the phrase that Shannon used because I just found it so profound. Um, but, but we do our flesh in this, um, our, our, our carnal, the carnal side of our flesh is always looking to, for independence from God. It's, it's, that's something we have to crush daily to be dependent on him. So we are, we do without even realizing it. If we're not walking in a constant yes, we will tend to extract the principles of the word of God and then work them within our control. So the most dangerous thing is to look at some of this teaching as a, well, we need to do it this way and then we need to do it this way. And this is what we do. We have found Every session, very unique, mm -hmm. very individualized. Yeah. Um, there are factors. There are 
based on the books of the person, based on the amount of warfare, based on uh, curses coming against them for various reasons, we have found intense levels of external warfare coming around the court mm -hmm. that's even affected the room we were in, yes. in certain sessions. So each one is very unique. Some, some the Lord gives a heightened awareness to. Uh, some the Lord has said you need to fast before you go into the courts with this person because mm -hmm. of what's happening with them. And I, I, yes, Lord, he's saying right now there's, there's some, there's going to be some coming up that will require fasting mm -hmm. because of the amount of, of intensity of warfare. So it's all Holy Spirit led. Yeah. So he's giving us these principles, but he's saying, but I'm going to show you, but I'm going to speak to you. So that's something we have to be aware of as well, that, that, it's uh, sometimes learning a new concept can feel stressful because again, we're, we're back to that pattern seeking of, Oh, this is a new pattern. And I've felt that way too. It's like, I got to take this and I don't know that I have the capacity to learn it. Just know that your spirit is absorbing more this morning than your mind is. You, your mind might still be at the intro and it's spinning, but your spirit is absorbing more than you think. And the Holy spirit will bring back, and will reveal to you things. Because when your heart is in a place of wanting to learn, God will always honor that. Yes. Um, two things quickly I wanted to say before we open it up to questions, unless you have another comment. But the one thing I want to tell you as maybe a helpful example in the human realm. You know, there are human realm lessons that will help us teach, like our bodies. Our physical bodies teach us a lot of spiritual lessons. God made our bodies in a way that teach us lessons. That's why you see a lot of the Lord sharing that in parables and various things in scripture. But um, this summer, when we, when we cook out, we're going to be dealing with something that some people find a real problem and really annoying and maybe hate it and other people don't think anything of it. And that is flies. How many of us really know what flies are all about? Flies are very, very interesting. Do you know that flies, first of all, the, the biblical term, one of the biblical terms for Satan, that's all I know. One of the biblical terms for Satan is Beelzebub. Beelzebub is a biblical term of one of the names of Satan, which is a you know, mm -hmm. Philistine god. There's lots of them. But do you know that it's quite literally the Lord of the Flies? He is. Flies are very interesting. Most people don't see uh, their toxicity, but flies are the, one of the biggest carriers of germs. Parasitic eggs, all kinds of things. They literally are not only feed on, but are birthed from dung. From doo-doo, from boo-boo, whatever you want to say, whatever word you want to use. They are literally birthed and feed on it. They feed on rotten corpses. They feed on garbage. Everything of disgustingness, okay? Is Perfect they timing. Feed on. It's time for lunch. And they, and they go from place. They, they carry things. They, they, um, they kind of chew on it. It sticks to their, to their legs. So even upon landing on certain things, they're depositing all of the stuff that they've extracted from this vile thing that they feed on, and it lands all over the place. Now, that's such a great picture of how Satan's kingdom works. Mm -hmm. Because most people don't think anything of. When I see a fly in my home, to the best of my ability, I go after it. I want to remove it. I do not want it landing in my kitchen anywhere, because I know its source. Heaven forbid, I don't want it landing on my toothbrush either. You know, it's like, I just don't, I know where it came from, what it feeds on, and I don't want that to get, to have its way from what it feeds on and, and impart that into any part of my house. That is the way we need to look at the strategies of Satan and, right. and the demons. Because 
Uh, and, and that's why, by the way, you see, even, even the world knows from, from, from reading scripture that when things, scenes in the exorcist and so forth, when they had the buzzing flies and tons of flies, I, I'm telling you, I saw it with my own eyes in, in, uh, in Africa when we, uh, when we were dealing with this, uh, multiple raging demoniacs in, in Kaduku. Um, and the, the flies were intense. They can be intense anywhere, but it was specifically, um, uh, just kind of swirling in those moments. Um, so, we need to recognize that it, that part of what happens is we kind of think, oh, it's no big deal. It's just, you know, they're just everywhere. It's nothing we really can do. You might feel like sometimes there's not much you can do. Around, take the authority, let them deposit things into your life and into your family's life and into your atmosphere and your environment that are toxic to you, okay? Um, so that's just a little side thing. It's really interesting when you do the study of flies and then that name actually given to Satan. It's interesting. The other thing I want to say is pertaining to one very, very critical scripture. And it's at the very end, on the, at the bottom of page three. Um, in Matthew 12 is where we see the, um, again, the message that Jesus is giving about how important it is to when your house is swept clean. And that's something I wanted to draw your attention to because this is really important. In Matthew, if you can go there on your phones or if you have your Bible, I want to just show you this. Um, in verse 43 of Matthew 12, when the un, Jesus is saying here, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry or arid places seeking rest. Okay, this unclean spirit, when it, when it leaves, it's going back. Demonic entities are always seeking embodiment. They're always looking for a place to land and to, to take uh, take ownership of. So the seeking rest and finding none. Then in verse 44, then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. I'm in the King James. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Okay? Then he goeth and taketh himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now, I will tell you, in New Living, it says it empty and swept and clean. Satan is not threatened, nor can he really get an edge in with just something swept and clean. He does not care how much you have become the victor in behavior modification as a good Christian. That's not what he's looking for. When he sees emptiness, remember, emptiness is a target. If there's emptiness that I can fill, he can sniff it out and he's there wanting to fill it. So important. And that right there ought to just so confirm that it's, you know, that you're not threatening the enemy by do-goodism and good behavior. You're threatening him by not having an infilling, total surrendered life that allows the Holy Spirit to indwell every part of your house. He's looking for a place to come in and dominate and take control. And guess what? If he finds a space that's empty and even if it's swept and clean, he will work with his gang partners and they will come in seven times worse. So we got to be really, really careful that we understand um, that this issue of when you go to the courts, your motivation cannot just be, I want to extract these things from my life so that I can have my curses broken I can have my troubles resolved, and now my house is swept clean and empty. What you do from that point on, if that's not a step of, okay, Father, fill me, 
fill me. He lives in our, you know, we know the Holy Spirit lives there. But if there's not a yes of filling, that emptiness, that lack of, uh, you know, it's, it's really one of the, uh, the issues that, that the Lord talks about, that the lust of the flesh and the pride of life is such a huge, huge thing. That lack of fully contentment in him. Contentment in and, and the satisfaction of full the fullness of God, essentially. When that's not in a Christian, that's an excellent place where you become a target. And so understand that any place where Jesus is not your complete Lord, it's not enough. And that's why we put that in the notes. It's not enough for him to just be our Savior. He has to be the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, full Lord of our life. Because where there's no, where he's not Lord of our life and there's a room to, to occupy, and by the way, he's very patient. He will occupy a room and you might not even know that he's occupied that space. He's ready to pounce. You know, they say that about people that are um, under the severe demonic influence of pedophilia, that, that how they strategize to take a child they will befriend, they'll befriend the family. They're very patient. They'll sometimes have the most pure, wonderful relationship with that child for even a year, two years, grooming them to trust, grooming them to the whole family to completely trust. And then that one moment that they're waiting for, it's almost like that's part of the thrill is to just kind of, you know, work the strategy to where they're the most vulnerable they could possibly be because they're the most trusted friend of the family. And then they pounce. You know, when you hear stories like that, you're like, oh, that's so terrible. But I mean, how could we ever know? We just, why we can't trust anybody. Yes, you can. Because there's something called discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits lets you see right through that. And you'll know with that squeezing your spirit, the motive of the heart that you won't see in human behavior. And that's why Satan gets an edge in the bride today. Because we're not seeing with our spirit eyes. It's our spirit eyes that are going to discern what's going on and how that enemy crouches, okay? Genesis 4, the, the crouches, how he waits. He, he, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And by the way, if he has to take his time, he will take his time because he's waiting for that room to become unoccupied with the Lord of being the Savior of, and, and the Lord of your life. He's waiting for you in in just either laziness, dullness, any type of little yes where you're off a degree and all of a sudden your ship's over here and he pounces and then he'll embody that area. So again, we people think it's a negative thing to understand the strategies of the enemy. But if you're, if you're saying it to glorify his powers, that might be true. But not when you're looking at it in how God is so much bigger. He can right. crush it like, crush him like a gnat. But, but Peter, first Peter also tells, the first and second Peter tells us also, we're not to be ignorant of his devices. In second Corinthians 10, 12, it says, wherefore let him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. Oftentimes we think we're doing pretty good. As long as there's not any outward chaos in our life, well, we're doing okay. I mean, you know, people have their problems, but we're making it, we're getting through. And Satan's just loving that kind of talk. Mm-hmm. He's like, they don't even know what I got around the corner for them. I'm mm-hmm. about to rock their world. They they think they can coast through this Christian life. Their motive, they think they can actually control through behavior modification. I got a whole deal working and it's about to explode. And so, and then when it explodes, finally people come and they go, I can't deal with this anymore. 
So um, get thee behind me, this fly. <laughs> I have a radical reaction to flies, anyways. But um, but anyway, so that's just something I wanted to mention, and and then I wanted to, and if you want to add anything, but I wanted to field a couple of specific questions that I'm sure came up. Um, I do want to encourage each of you, if you've not been through the courts, go through the courts, but make sure you know what you're stepping into. You're stepping into a place of surrender. If your motivation is to fix your life, quite frankly, that's a byproduct. Guess what? When we're surrendered to the Lord, he fixes our life. Praise God. But our motivation, his direction, his motivation has to be, he's, he's always like, come unto me, Mm -hmm. come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden unto me and I will give you rest. I'll give you that rest, but you got to come to me. Don't just come to release your burden. Don't just come to find the rest. Come unto me for me. When we're we're there, yeah, when we're there, it's the rest of that relationship that he gives. So it's just, it's just cart before horse. But we got to be willing to give him that yes. So again, questions or unless you had a comment. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yes, what just, questions? Uh, um, but come up, do it into the mic for yeah, for the sake of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should look at you or. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, I was just going to ask about because you use uh, the word courts, so it's plural. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I just had a question like. This feels like it's the court, you know, for me or for an individual where you're opening up my book or opening up their mm-hmm. book and we're going through that. But is there other courts like we have in the American system, um, you know, where maybe world matters mm-hmm. are being, sure. you know, like the flood, you know, and all of those yeah. huge decisions throughout the scripture? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and you can answer, answer that. He's definitely going to answer it in the way that you asked, but it reminded me, um, I wanted to mention to you again, in Ephesians 6.12, when you see the different levels of authorities, the reason for the levels of authorities to your question is that Satan will work in an individual strategy for a person that you deal with, but then he will deal with actual realm, I mean, uh, actual um, regions and sometimes there will be a demonic authority over a particular region that will create a culture of a particular problem. Like you'll see um, heavily, almost weirdly so, heavily drug-addicted regions where their problem is just looks like everybody's hooked on something. You'll see places like Thailand is a heavily saturated, others too, but saturated with sexual perverseness mm-hmm. in in um, in a pedophilia, particularly, it's just a really like there. Are, so there are there are cultural um, d- demonic um, authorities that can literally affect an atmosphere that are bigger to deal with than even just our individual issues. So go ahead. Um, yeah, uh, um, understand that that Satan has a lot of different things in his arsenal. It, it talks about it in Ephesians six, right? There there are all different levels of authority. In, in, in his realm, all the way from when, when we talk about demons, those, those are about the lowest level you can get. They, they have the, the least amount of impact unless you give authority. Okay. All the way up to principalities that when you, when you are talking about principalities, you're usually talking about areas because they, the, Satan will come in. He was made prince and power of the air, right? It is his goal to take land, just like in warfare. You take land, you build strongholds, right? 
That's what he does in our, in our lives, but that's also what he does, say, in a country. You know, if he can gain authority in a country to lead that country, then he can bring a country to the point where they offer 60 million sacrifices to him, right? In abortion, which is what's happened. Um, so, so the courts, best way I could describe it is very much like the courts are in an American court system. You could go into a courtroom. The courtroom may be the same, but in that courtroom, you'll have different functions, right? You can, if, especially in criminal court, you can go in and, and have a, a trial over, over this, this small little thing and then another trial over this big, big thing. You know, um, it's, it's the same way. We've experienced, um, several different rooms. We've experienced, and, and Shannon, just tell me if I'm missing some here. Um, we've, we've experienced certainly the, the bridal chamber, the, his chamber, his favorite room, which I still am asking the Lord to give us a name for that so we don't have to call it that. But, uh, we've experienced his library. Um, these are not actual courts. They're, they're, Attached though. They're, they're part of, part of it, but that's not where he makes judgment. Where he makes judgment is in this court where we have been many times, but we've been in there for different functions. Just for instance, last Sunday, um, anyone who watched the pod, watched the podcast or whatever knows that, uh, we began that. The Lord told me to go into his court and, and to make a declaration. He literally told me to bring a motion. Well, that was different. We were in the same court, but it was a very different feel because the enemy was not allowed. He was not there. It was a, it was a basic presentation that I was making. Um, and what I mean by the enemy, it, it was the, not the subject of the motion I was doing, but it, but it was, uh, in other words, Satan wasn't there. Okay. Or, or some representation wasn't there. And it was, it was the same courtroom, but a very different purpose. It was a purpose over this, this fight over land. Um, so, so to answer your question, yeah, there are many different levels. Um, the Bible also talks about, uh, you know, it's, it's very important not to go against something you have not been told to go after. It's different personally. Okay. Just rest assured, anything that comes after you, you have in byproduct to that, the right to go after it. Anything that comes after you to try to gain authority, you have the right to go after it. If Satan himself came after you to try to gain authority, you would have the right to go after him. The right. Not just, okay, you can, but you know, you have the right. Okay. However, for other things like land, you know, going, don't go out there and just, oh my goodness. Please be careful with stuff like this. Walking into a occult bookstore and just off the cuff, just starting to go to war. Now, if the Lord told you to, that's different. If the Lord told you to, he's given you authority to do that. But if he hasn't, don't go in there and do that. You're, you're messing with areas that you're not given authority in, or at least yet. Because God gives authority as he trains us how to use the authority. So he does give us um, regional, <clears throat> regional authority. Like, for instance, I, I fight in prayer with the Lord in uh, covering and protection. And I've seen his angels expand over our development. Because mm-hmm. as residents of our particular development, 
I can, by way of a citizen of that region, go before the Lord for an additional protection or whatever over that area. Just like how the remnant of the United States can go before the Lord. And literally, that is what has caused this, the, our Isaiah 45 Cyrus to be raised up at this time because the bride has gone before him and, and begged for mercy over this nation. Yeah, so that, there are things, times that some, if you're led of the Lord to fight in a particular no, let, area. Let me explain the difference um, because this is, that's an important point. Um, for protection, you have every right to cover anything in protection. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about bringing the enemy or a specific enemy to court. Um, that that's something that uh, that you have to have the authority to do. The Lord has to have laid oh, it yeah. on your heart and stuff like that. Um, uh, to to pray protection, He's given us protection. Okay, like for instance, she said our development. Okay, we have authority over our house, right? I own the land, we own the land, literally, and we have authority over that land. We can, we can, anything that he tries to do on our land, we have authority to go after him in court all we want. Now, we can pray a protection over our home. We could pray a protection over our our development. We could pray protection over our city. Does that mean we have authority over the city? No. No, but we can call to arms. You know, we can pray protection. You you don't I mean we're we're called to do that. You don't have to have well, you know, I can't pray protection because the Lord hasn't given me that authority. No, you're you're in the war. You you can do that. What you can't do is force the enemy off without the the legal right to do it. Because it, it, when you go to when you go to court, and and I know we're we're just using these legal terms of it. When you go to court, it's it, your authority. If it's not there, the the enemy doesn't have to recognize it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So so don't let the legal base, terms get you mixed yeah, up. Yeah, and, and it's, I, it's so all throughout Scripture. It's just a, sometimes it's a new lens to see something that you kind of already know, but in the court context, it'll give you greater ability to strategize. And the reason I use that language is because most of us are very familiar with that being in this country. You know, the the, the specifics to that, you know, you could use different language for, but it's the same thing. So so bottom line is yes, when when we're fighting for our person, when we're fighting for our family or interceding for others, and when we're fighting for our country, it, it, all those happen in the court. They might be the same courtroom, but different functions of that court. Same, same judge, right? The same judge who can only judge on things placed before him, you know, but that's where the bride has fallen short. You know, it, 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 you can go back to the fact that, you know, why did abortion come to this country in the first place? Well, bottom line, it's because the, the bride dropped the ball and really it started in the pulpits. When the, the second that the pulpits made the choice of separation of church and state is applied to the preacher's mouth, they lost the war. Because first of all, that was never intended in our government in the first place. It was freedom from religion, right? From the state dictating that religion, which is what was going on over in England. That's why they came to America and, and established America, so they could religiously be free from the state. It was never the state free of religion. 
In fact, it was supposed to be that religion had impact on the state, had impact on the government. And when, when preachers decided that was not their place, probably out of being comfortable, because you, know, you want to talk about getting in people's face and having them put up with a lot of flack, well, get involved politically as a preacher. You're going to get that. But when they shied away from that is when we started to lose ground in this country. But that that is shifting, and it, it is going to shift. It is going to change because God's done with that. He is done with that. And that's why he's raising up a remnant that is not afraid to step onto the battlefield. And, and he's training this remnant in understanding what the battlefield is. If, if you don't understand the battlefield, if you don't understand the real ways to, to fight in the battle, which is in the courts of heaven, however you want to use terminology in that, then, then you're ineffective. Well, and that is the answer to fighting for our families, fighting mm-hmm. for anything that's, that we're dealing with. The answers aren't the physical answers, and that's where you get tripped up. If you are seeking human logic reasoning, if you're seeking yeah. um, even medicine, you have to be careful because originally the, the medicine and hallucinogenics and, and drug use actually was birthed directly out of witchcraft in, if you, if you look back in, in its history because, well, I'm going to derail us, but that's, there, there's just a direct link with why even marijuana, the, the, the rise of all of that is starting to cause people to be dulled and it is a form of witchcraft. That's, that's trying to take over this nation. But I want to answer a question about, that'll ta- tag on to Justin's question. How we do the court sessions here and who we use is we use the gifts of the spirit in full measure, discerning of spirits. We use seers. We'll use whoever God puts in place in order to make in this realm what's happening in the spirit realm courts of heaven a reality. So the simple answer is someone that can see in uh, to be able to know where we are when the doors are open. And and a lot of question, humanly speaking, would be, well, how do you know if they just say that? Or how do you know that, how do you know that Shannon's seen it? There is, your spirit bears witness. Mm-hmm. Even when your eyes are not open sometimes to a person's vision, you will definitely bear witness. Because if you begin to the, down the road of how do you know, you could take that all the way down to how do you know that your pastor is even a Christian when he's up there preaching the Bible? Well, your spirit bears witness. There is something in the spirit where you know that that, that will happen and the Lord does reveal it. And um, so everything about the courts, the way that, that we help people through is still as much a faith journey, but you have the aid of your brothers and sisters. Just like James 5.16, confess your faults one to another uh, in, in the, the, the body that helps each other and, and you'll be healed. So the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ used in the courts, uh, we, we have assembled a team based on the Lord's instruction of both seers, hearers, sometimes they don't see but they'll hear, and, um, and, then, um, and then other witnesses that will pray specifically, like the role sometimes, sometimes I have felt, sometimes I have seen. Um, I'm not a strong seer, but, but I, my spirit sees very clearly. I don't have the open 
vision of, of uh, like some people do, but, but my spirit, God is heightening every day. My spirit senses, like I'll know when Jesus is present in front of me. I'll know when the Holy Spirit is there with the knowing, um, in my spirit senses. And again, that's all part of what we need to recognize as our reality that when you're closed down, when everything about the Christian life filters only through the human realm, you will be blocked. And There's it, an aspect of that that you'll be blocked in. It's important to understand that we, we don't all serve different gods. Right. right? We serve the God. He is not going to tell me something different than he tells Shannon or than he tells Alexis. He's one God. He's going to say the same Thing. So that's what she's talking if we about. Think he with does, it. then he makes it clear because sometimes we do hear something different, but then it's because God directs us to. Oh, you know, and one of us. Well, now, I'm not talking about a, a different way of it, of you know expressing something yeah. or whatever. I'm I'm saying he's he's not going to tell me that we're supposed to go to Nigeria and tell Michael that we're not supposed to go to Nigeria. Do you see what I'm saying? One of us is listening to the wrong voice. In that, in that case. So, so what happens when God develops a team in this, and, and we can only talk by our own experience, he, he develops a team and he says the same thing to that entire team. You know, our, our spirit will resonate with what's going on in the courts, even though I may not see or I may not hear, I'll resonate with it because the Lord will, will, as Alex said, place that heavy on my spirit and it, it'll resonate with me. Um, now there are many times in the court where, where I will hear, the Lord will tell me what the accuser is saying before Shannon ever says it or, 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 uh, before Carrie ever says it or anything else. And to me, those are just great times of confirmation because, yeah, okay, I knew that was coming, you know, and, and, and that's the, that's the resonation that I'm talking about because we all serve the same God. The simple, the simple the answer thing. to how all the accusers, how do we know all the accusers will come, is really, there's probably several scriptures, but even the simplicity of John 1, 1 John 1, 9 is a great answer to how do you know all the, the accusers will come. He's faithful and he's just yeah. to forgive us. So if he's faithful and just, he will draw everything coming against us to that court because mm-hmm. he's for us. So even in that sense, you could count on that being the case. Um, so, plus, I don't think at the end he can proclaim uh, innocence without without right, them all. Right, being absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's um, there is there is great freedom, and um, I want to encourage you too. We are praying, and we uh, we know the Lord is going to raise up other people to be involved in our teams for the courts because it's going to be a huge need when Michael and Shannon. Um, and who else would it be that leave for Nigeria that have been part of the, the teams? Um, there will be, Ariel, yeah, yeah, there will be a need for, there just is now, quite frankly. There are just people waiting to get into the courts where we need people. And so be praying if the Lord would be leading you to do that. Um, and, you know, we can certainly meet with you with even more and more questions you may have personally, but we want to, we want to see some God raise up some people to be involved in the courts to just see see people free. There's nothing that's more compelling than when you get go there yourself and you just see the power of that freedom. But again, the goal isn't just freedom. Freedom, well, from what we know, but to what? Free to what? It's it's all about relationship. There, freedom does you no good when you have no opportunity to, to 
be in freedom with an actual life. It's like, what, what does freedom give you if it doesn't give you freedom to, to something? And so that's where some people can miss out. And you do yourself a disservice to go to the court and not have the lens of wanting relationship. Um, because just to purge things out of your life, um, it literally would be like detoxing your body, going on one of those cleanses where you literally detox everything from your organs and you're just clean and then you never eat anything again. You're just, you're just starving. There's just, and then in that starvation, the next thing you grab is something that could be toxic. Well, that's what happens to our, our spirits when we are completely cleaned and now there's that much more opportunity for what we take in to destroy us if it's not the right thing. So it's, again, our spiritual lessons come from the human realm a lot. So there's a lot of uh, good lessons. The court system of this human realm teaches us what goes on in the spirit, just like how God made our bodies. There are spiritual lessons within how our bodies function and how flies operate. <laughs> Is there another question? Okay. So uh, I think we're going to probably continue with this, you think? Well... We, there's a few things we didn't, like for instance, I have, uh, which we didn't have time to get into today, I have um, a list of about nine, nine reasons why people don't get deliverance. Um, and that is a, a fantastic part of this study. And then also, how do you keep your deliverance? Now, ultimately, the nutshell we gave you at the end of page three, which is make Jesus the Lord of your life. Um, but there's more to it than that, a strategy to stay free. Um, but the reasons people don't get deliverance, some of them were talked about, wrong motives, self-centeredness, and unwillingness to break certain soul ties. Like, I'm willing to do what you want, but then compartmentalizing that when you're connected uh, in wrong, ungodly, uh, evil covenants in various areas in your life. There's lots of reasons why people don't get the freedom. Now, God reveals all that. Remember, you don't have to worry that you're going to be tripped up. Um, but that's a part of it that we didn't get to get into today. Um, and, and even other, you know, specific questions. But the big thing we want to help to saturate your minds in is A, the, the language of the courts is not new. It's maybe a new way to look at the Word of God, but it's, it's been in, it's, it's just part of our freedom in, in the Bible. And also, uh, we want to have you consider if you've not been through the actual courts process. Schedule it, get it, get it scheduled, and and the Lord will show you if uh, if you're if you're ready. And um, so I don't I want to say that not to schedule it with us per se, but go before the Lord for freedom. Let me put it that way. If if we can help you with that, that's what we desire. But go before the Lord for freedom. Don't walk around anymore with any uh, with Satan having any kind of authority. You know that's just like letting your your food be covered with all the flies and you just keep eating the toxicity. Get rid of it. And the effects that Satan's already had, get those things purged out. He wants wholeness for you. He wants freedom. And don't forget, too, that every, the answer, first of all, nothing happens without it all happening first in the spirit realm. The remedies to our problems, it's the same way. The answers come first in the spirit realm before they manifest in the human. When you break authorities off, that's when you begin to see things changed. People have seen that in healing in their human bodies. They've seen restored relationships, addictions fall off. How? Because they st 
stopped putting something in their mouth or stopped taking something humanly. No, something happened in the spirit realm. It happened within them. Everything happens from the inside out because it happens in our spirit and with the kingdom. When Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom. First the kingdom. Don't seek first human remedies. And and some of us know we've already exhausted. You know, I I mean, we could t- tell stories about all the counseling, all the books we read, all the conferences we went to. What did it really do? It's it's really the the faith is the connector between the kingdom realm. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all the things we need will be added to us. That's for the answer. That's the answer to everything. And it's it's really right there. But sometimes Ephesians says, you know, we need to open the and that have the Holy Spirit enlighten the eyes of our understanding through wisdom and revelation, not the wisdom of man, but the wisdom, the supernatural wisdom of God in the Spirit. So so let's uh, let's pray and we'll close. Oh, oh there's one, a... one thing, one point that out of our class usually. Is it is it something you need to do into yes, the microphone? You, probably uh, just for the podcast sake. Pod podcast pod, pod, <laughs> pod, <laughs> pod sake. Indeed. <laughs> one thing we we'll like for our class is to be able to have something you can take away and use immediately. And this is one that's hit me recently. Second Corinthians 10, 5b. And Alexis mentioned it. We're taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Yeah. So if you have a thought, bad thought, and you kind of, oh, no, go away, go away. No, captive, courts, pick and string, cast. Yeah. Okay, and I think there was one thing is, did you, did you say pick and string? Pick and string. That's what a, a cowboy ties oh. gabs up with. I threw that I in just so you remember it. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's uh, binding because Greg is yeah. there. Yeah. When you, yeah. you mentioned casting, but binding and casting. Yeah. Right. Get the thought, go to the courts, forgive me, I accept that as, as, as sin, forgive me, tie it up. Well, if, if if you're a seer and you cast without binding, you get to see them flail on the way down, right? Am I right, Shannon? <laughs> Sorry. But that's a great simplistic instruction in Scripture that's like right in front of yes. our face that Amen. is something that when applied is such freedom. And, and we miss it. You know, we miss it. And, and Satan does. He loves it when we miss some basic truths because the last thing he wants, Jesus came to set us free, so naturally Satan doesn't want us free. So, uh, but there is freedom. There is hope. And I, that's what I'm excited about. I'm, I'm gaining more and more uh, in this idea of freedom because each step I take, I, I want, I want the, the new man. You know, when it says old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. What's behold? Behold is see. Can you just see it? See that what, what you're really living in that God gave you is the new things. The old are supposed to be passed away. We don't want to, you know, let, like Satan's kingdom, just be toxifying our lives by living in this rotten area where we're feeding like flies on that. It's just, I love that analogy because I'm like, no, behold, I'm, I'm living in the new. This old stuff has got to go. And what that stuff is, is what God reveals in freedom. So it's, it's a really great thing because some of us may be free, but maybe now we need to be stepping in confidence in, you know, in our books, ultimately our books. And the books that God has for ignition, for the bride, for the remnant, is, is just 
He loves this word, extraordinary. <laughs> it's extraordinary. I know that that's a really good word, though, honey. It's a good word. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so anyway, um, but it is. It's really it's extraordinary that you would bring that up. Okay, let, let's pray. Father, we worship you. We praise you. And Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. God, open the eyes of your bride so that she might seek you full in relationship. Giving you what you deserve, which is love. And receiving what is her inheritance, which also is love. It is relationship. It is who we were made to be in relationship with you. So, Father, even use this podcast as it goes out. And, and as it is even way in the future. God, just use it to your will, to your honor, to your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen.